on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Winter meetings done. A lot to kind of catch up on. And even news breaking as we're coming on the air. Hi, everybody. I'm Dominic Catronio, Brewers Weekly, live right here on WTMJ or wherever you're listening uh, in the world on podcast on WTMJ.com or Apple Podcasts. Don't worry. Spotify is coming soon. I promise. I'm not blowing smoke on that. We are working on that. But, uh, wow. Uh, what a week. Not really any Brewers headlines, let's be honest. <laughs> the last time, since the last time we spoke, of course, uh, now Colton Wong is a Mariner. Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro are Brewers. A couple of minor leaguers added, and a whole lot of free agents signed. So we're going to talk some free agency. We're going to talk some winter meetings. We're going to talk what we heard this week at the winter meetings, what we heard from Craig Council and Matt Arnold, and what the vibe is around these Brewers right now. I see the tweets. I see the complaints. I want to hear from you, too, if you're listening live as well. 855-616-1620. Again, that's 855-616-1620. That's our our talking text line. You can text us. You can call us. I'll read you right here on the air. Let me know your name, where you're from, and we'll get you a shout-out here on the show. Uh, I just want to start off with the breaking news uh, here in Major League Baseball. Uh, Nothing... Really big to the Brewers, but the Mets continue to spend a ton of money. Brandon Nimmo is back to New York. Uh, he is signing an eight-year deal worth $20 million a year, just about $162 million. Uh, also, the Mets are signing David Robertson, who I pictured as a target for the Brewers, but not for $10 million, a one-year deal for the former uh, closer of the Yankees and the Cubs and ended the year last year with the Phillies. So the Mets sign a one-year deal for David Robertson, and an eight-year deal for Brendan Nimmo tonight worth $162 million. So, holy cow, the free agency picture is really starting to take shape. Let's just go through the line here, starting back on Monday, of some of the major free agent signings we've seen since the winter meetings began. It all started really with last week with Jacob deGrom going to the Rangers. But you really look at... Trey Turner getting an 11-year deal from the Phillies. Justin Verlander going to the Mets on a two-year deal. Uh, You look at the next day, the Tuesday, that's when things really got going. Taiwan Walker going to the Phillies on a four-year deal. Josh Bell going to the Cleveland Guardians on a two-year deal, but with an opt-out after one year. Uh, Cody Bellinger going to the Cubs on a one-year deal. Belly versus Yelly in the NL Central over again. Jamison Tyone getting a four-year deal with the Cubs as well. Uh, You look at what happened in the last two days as well. I mean, look at yesterday. Wilson Contreras flipping from the Cubs to the Cardinals. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, this guy named you know Aaron Judge also re-signed with the Yankees in case you live under a rock. Yeah, he's back with the Yankees. Also, Xander Bogart's going to the Padres for 11 years? 11? Insanity. Absolutely insanity. Kenley Jansen going to the Red Sox, too. Uh, That happened yesterday. And the Red Sox also signed... uh, Masataka Yoshida, who's an outfielder coming from Japan, five-year deal that some analysts are saying they overpaid for. Then today, we just now get the news across the wire. David Robertson and Brandon Nimmo going to the Mets. Holy cow. I mean, what a week. And you may notice, didn't say the Brewers once. Brewers, only the Brewers and the Reds are the only teams in baseball that have not added a major league free agent. Now, keyword there is free agent. It doesn't mean they haven't added major league players, i.e. Jesse Winker and a couple of the guys that got back from the Hunter Renfro deal. But 
just because the winter meetings is over doesn't mean the offseason is over. There is still a lot that can get done. Uh, crazy things have happened. We've heard crazy stories about Christmas Day trades. We've had January trades. We've had spring training signings and trades and things of that nature. We're going to get into a little bit later in the show what's left and what are the Brewers looking at? What are they waiting for? And try to pump some optimism here uh, and just compare what the Brewers are doing to maybe what some other teams have been going through here as of late. But right now, the Brewers are still sitting on roughly 20 to $25 million in savings from compared to last year's opening day roster to this year's opening day roster. So they have flexibility and ability to move and make some deals, but a lot of these deals that I just listed off were multi-year deals. And let's be honest, the Brewers beyond 2024 don't have much of a picture forming. I mean, because that's when Adamus, Burns, and Woodruff become free agents after the 2024 season. So that's why maybe the Brewers are a little bit apprehensive as far as signing a free agent when they want to figure out those three guys in their future moving forward. So let's talk a little bit more about what's going on with the Brewers camp, what we heard this week from the winter meetings, all of that, and plenty, plenty more coming up. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. 1620 is the talking text line. Hop on in. Let's have a good time tonight. Brewers Weekly rolls on on WTMJ. Rolling along here on Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Petronio. So what actually happened for the Brewers at the winter meetings this week? We'll talk about that. A little bit later, we're going to talk about what... I think the opening day roster would look like if the season started tomorrow. What what, what would I rule out if I was Craig Council? I want to hear from you as well. What, what would your opening day lineup look like right now? Not assuming anyone else is being signed or anything like that. What's your outfield look like? Who's catching? All that sort of thing. You can text that as well. 855-616-1620. Do want to get to the phones as well. We do have Doug on the line right now. Doug, uh, what's on your mind here tonight on Brewers Weekly? Yeah, good evening, Dom. You know, uh, I don't know what the starting lineup's going to be. That, that, that's going to be very interesting other than Yelich and, and, and Mitchell. But my concern is, you know, I understand. I was following this uh, Contreras going to the Cardinals. And I understand that, uh, from what I read anyway, Molina talked to Con- Contreras and uh, said, yeah, you've got you to come to the Cardinals. This is a team that wants to win. Now, I don't know if... Uh, uh, Contreras was in the mix or even talked to the Brewers at all. But my concern is, do you believe that the Brewers may have created a you know, kind of an organizational atmosphere of not, uh, you know, wanting to win with the results of that hater trade? When, you know, he goes to San Diego, he talks about he wants to go to a team that wants to win. And, uh, you know, I hate to bring up the hater thing, but it's going to get hard to get over that. But, you know, that was a physical change that we could have used him, obviously, but my main concern is: is this creating an atmosphere among free agents where, hey, let's let's go to a team that wants to win? I, you know, I thought we could have had a chance to get Contreras for uh, what he was asking for money wise and everything else. Uh, do, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, well, I appreciate the call, Doug. When it comes to the. You know, is there an apathetic attitude to, oh, the Brewers don't actually want to sign free agents? I mean, look at Hunter Renfro's comments when he was traded to the Angels. Like, yeah, I kind of saw it coming. You know, I know that's how it rolls. I mean, that's that's not exactly what you want to hear, right? But at the same time, I'm encouraged by the criticism, if that's a, 
a odd sentence to say, obviously, but I'm encouraged by the criticism because the Brewers have embraced it. The Brewers, and this is an, a theme that we heard throughout the week, and we've heard the last couple of uh, months since the Hater deal went down, and even Stern's press conference when he announced that he was stepping down, it's that the standard has been raised in Milwaukee. And maybe the the Hater trade wasn't was less so a, a signal saying we're not going to be competitive, but more so saying, man, we're trying to make a gamble to make sure that we're good enough for the future, knowing they're not going to be able to afford the guy. Not so much that, oh, we're going to tear it down and tank. Because I know, I see the tweets, I see people frustrated with owner Mark Adonacio all the time. I, I don't understand it entirely, because let's be honest, let's look in the mirror. This has been the best window of success in franchise history. And things go wrong for one trade, and the world ends. And they, this team was still one game out of a playoff spot, as bad as it was in the second half. As everything was going wrong. Mind you, Freddie Peralta didn't play pretty much effectively at all in the second half. Uh, Hunter Renfro missed about a month due to injuries. Colton Wong missed time due to injuries. Willie Adamas missed a month with injuries. Urias missed the first month of the season. This team had a lot go wrong. I'm not saying injuries are an excuse. But this team didn't even have a chance to play at its full potential throughout the season. So... When it comes to free agents and why didn't Wilson Contreras sign here, I, I don't think Wilson Contreras was a real fit. It, remember, it takes two to tango. I, I've said this the last few weeks. It takes two to tango. Just like, you know, if you want to sign somebody, if you want to make a trade, they have to agree to that trade. It has to work for both sides. I really like that Mariners trade for the Colton Wong deal. Both Winker and Wong are on expiring contracts. It's virtually a salary swap. And the Brewers get a young, controllable player. They get to fill a power void that they needed with Jesse Winker. They feel he's a candidate for a bounce-back year. And Toro can be in AAA. He can be somebody that's minor league depth that, quite frankly, is a better hitter, in my opinion, than Pablo Reyes. And can bring more as a utility infielder. And he's a switch hitter than a Pablo Reyes, the previous next-man-up infielder mentality. So when it comes to all that, it does take two to tango. I don't think Contreras is a real fit, not only for the you know, antics with the hit-by-pitches the last few years, but he's not a good defensive catcher at all. And the Brewers and their pitching staff and Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, they like the framing. They like the improvement that we saw from Victor Caratini this last year. They love the project that Omar Narvaez became. There's rave reviews about Mario Feliciano as a receiving catcher. So it's one of those things that the Brewers, they feel pretty good about Caratini and Feliciano right now. In my opinion, I tweeted this this week as well, Maybe you bring back Narvaez and then flip Caratini because he's on an expiring deal. But that's all to be decided at a later date. I want to talk about what actually went down for the Brewers of the winter meetings. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's our talking text line. Uh, if you want to hop in on the show, you can call us. You can text us. I'll read you here on the show. My question right now is, what's your open day lineup going to look like if the season started tomorrow? You may have seen something called the Rule 5 Draft and. It's kind of a buzzword in baseball. People act like they know exactly what it is, and not everybody does. It's okay. I still get confused about it sometimes, too. But the Rule 5 draft basically is an opportunity for teams that maybe haven't promoted a player that should be promoted or after X number of years, depending on how the player was drafted, needs to be on the 40-man roster. And if that player is not on the 40-man roster, they need to be. they are eligible to be plucked by another team and put onto their 40-man roster. In fact, in the Major League portion of the Rule 5 draft, they go straight to the active roster. And thus, the Brewers did make a selection. There was no Rule 5 draft last year because of the pandemic and the canceled minor league season. There is one here this year. The name is Gus 
Varland. So he is already on the active roster. The 40-man roster sits at 39, so there's still room for one more player before having to make some rearrangements. But he goes straight to the active roster. Gus Varland, a hard-throwing righty. Reminder of how Rule 5 selections work. He goes straight to the active roster. If he is going to be removed from that roster, i.e. the Brewers try to option him or uh, anything other than the injured list, they want to make him not on the active roster. It doesn't work like that. He has to clear outright waivers, meaning any other team has a chance at him. Any other team has a chance, and they pluck him straight from you. But if they clear outright waivers, they go back to the team that you pluck them from, and you pay $50,000. There's a whole, there's a small money exchange with all this, but basically, if the player isn't going to make the opening day roster, you'll see in spring training, Gus Varland has been returned to the Dodgers on the Rule 5 selection. That's what would happen. What do the Brewers like in Gus Varland? Hard-throwing, Right-handed. Seems like he found something as a bullpen pitcher this year. He was previously a starter, originally with the A's organization, then traded to the Dodgers organization. He's somebody that really found some velo moving to the bullpen. Middle relief can give you extra, you know, an extra inning, a fifth or sixth inning. Perhaps, perhaps, filling a void left by Brent Suter. And it's a buy-low High ceiling, but also high risk guy because he's got an injury history. His walks and his ERA are through the roof. But if it's not working out in spring training, all right, you give him back to the Dodgers. It's not the end of the world. Uh, You have no obligation to take up Rule 5 pick, and you have no obligation to keep him on your roster. Like I said, there's the compensation going back and forth between the teams. You pay, so the Brewers paid the Dodgers $100,000 to select Varland, but then if they send Varland back to the Dodgers, they essentially recoup $50,000 of that because they will receive $50,000 from the Dodgers for him to go back. So that's how all that works out. As far as other free agency news, you saw a couple of minor leaguers signed as well. Uh, you saw Eddie Alvarez, the Olympian, uh, former Marlin. I'm really excited about Alvarez to see uh, some minor league depth out of him. Great story. Uh, you know, being a White Sox prospect for a long time, then was a, uh, a speed skater, then was on Team USA in the 2021 Olympics. So a lot of fun stuff as well. Before we take our next break, uh, I want to get to Don on the line talking about the future. Uh, we got more to come here on Brewers Weekly, but Don, I want to get you on the line. What are your thoughts here tonight? Well, no, I was. I didn't have thoughts about the future. I was talking thinking about a couple of future players one is a local kid from i'm from nina and local kid from hortonville caleb alshley was in triple a with nashville last year he had some good numbers and i was wondering if he's on the radar and also a guy that used to play for the timber rattlers lucas ersig who converted the pitching yeah 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 those two good questions so when it comes to i'll start with uh, Lucas Urseg. So he's a non-roster invitee. Neither one of the guys you mentioned, Boshley or uh, Urseg, are on the 40-man roster heading into this spring training. Uh, I imagine Boshley will be a non-roster invitee because you always need pitchers in spring training. But uh, Urseg, yes, he is still in the organization. The, the Brewers did re-sign with uh, Urseg this past offseason to keep him in the org. They really like the development they've seen from Urseg. And quite frankly, it's a wide audition this coming spring training for uh, bullpen help. Because you've got, obviously, Cam Robinson added at the 40-man deadline. Trevor Kelly's still in the organization. You acquired Elvis Piguero. You acquired uh, a couple of other guys. You still have J.C. Mejia. There's a lot of arms to choose from. When it comes to Boshley, yes, the numbers were solid last year down in AAA. Boshley also, though, is not on the 40-man roster. He's 29 years old. He was not selected 
uh, by anybody in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft because that's how the Brewers selected him from the Padres in last year's Rule 5 draft. In case you were wondering, the numbers this year, 25 starts, a 12-2 record, 127 innings, a a 3.25 ERA, a pretty average ground ball rate, doesn't get a million strikeouts by any means, definitely pitches to contact. I see him as depth. I see him as a Jason Alexander type that if there's a spot start needed somewhere down the road, maybe Bosch is going to be the guy that gets tapped on the show. Hey, can you can you make it up to Milwaukee to make this one start? So those are two guys to keep an eye on come spring training. Maybe we see a new pitch get debuted or some incredible performances, but a lot to figure out with those guys as well. Thanks for the call, Don, as well. A shout-out to Nina. I hope you guys don't get too much snow tomorrow. Uh, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. 1 620. We're going to roll on. Let's talk about the opening day lineup. Let's let's put on our projection hat here. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right. Let's be correct counsel for the night. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Weekly. Thanks for joining us. Quick programming note. No show next week. Uh, Bucks play on Thursday night. So uh, we're taking the week off next week. So uh, adjust your schedules as you see fit. 855-616-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, 855-616-1620. I already got one in here from Doug on what he thinks the starting outfield will look like. He's got Yelich, Mitchell, and Taylor in the outfield. The infield has Urias, Adamas, Tarang, Tellez. Feliciano as a starting catcher. Ooh, I see that, Doug. And then Winker as the DH. I think that's pretty darn close to it, Doug. I agree. I've got Caratini catching. Uh, I don't think uh, Feliciano's going to be starting opening day with Corbin Burns on the mound. But who knows? Maybe something else is going to happen. But I agree. I think the big thing, that's pretty much exactly what I had. Yelich in left. I put Mitchell in center and Taylor in right. Taylor has a great arm. So does Mitchell. Um you still think that Jesse Winker is going to be a DH exclusively, especially coming off of his surgeries as he's had this offseason. He's had a, a neck surgery and a knee surgery. He is expected to be good to go for opening day, so no no concerns in that regard. But the big question, and it really isn't a question, doesn't seem because Craig Council talked about it all week at the winter meetings whenever he was asked about the trade of Colton Wong. It's like, look, we've got somebody we feel and we're really excited about and ready to go in Bryce Terang. It sounds like to me, Bryce Terang is going to be the opening day second baseman. And if you're wondering, well, Dom, what about Urias? Why doesn't Urias play second and you put like Brasso at third or something? Like, no, I, I, I think they're ready to bring him up. I, I think they're really excited about it. It gives me Jeremy Pena vibes, if you will. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be expected to produce like Jeremy Pena in his rookie year, but it gives me the confidence and it gives me the trust that I'm hearing and learning from the Brewers organization is that they really trust the young guns and they are really looking forward to the future. And like we've talked about all season long, when was the last time you were this excited about position player prospects and not pitching prospects in the Brewers organization? So we know that Mitchell is going to be on the opening day roster given how well he played in September last year. It remains to be seen who's going to be the fourth outfielder in regards to, say, will it be Sal Freelich? Will it be Este Uri Ruiz? Ruiz is already on the 40-man. Freelich is not, as Joey Weimer is also not on the 40-man yet. But Terang is on the 40-man, which is why we assume he will be the opening day second baseman. But 
besides those guys, you've still got Jackson Trurio in the pipeline. Didn't even mention Mario Feliciano in the excitement of him. Tyler Black is somebody we've barely even given any pub here on the station. Tyler Black is somebody that played well in the Arizona Fall League. Jefferson Caro also played well in the Arizona Fall League. So the Brewers have guys coming. And I know folks feel like, oh, this is a teardown. This is a rebuild. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're barely going to. No, I disagree completely. I think this team's good enough to make the playoffs. And they're going to shock some people. Let me tell you a secret about media. And let me tell you a secret about the world. People don't like it when they don't know things. Right? We're all know-it-alls. Every single one of us. Media, fans, you know, we all think we know it all. Including myself. So when we don't have an answer, we don't have a direct thought. Like, eh, you know, we try to hedge our bets and do all this. Like, no, like, I still, I'm going to stand by this. And, you know, I'll put my hand up this time next year if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong. I will stand by this take. I see the Brewers in 2023 being the 2022 Cleveland Guardians, right? This division's wide open. The NL Central. I know folks are talking about Wilson Contreras going to the Cardinals like that's a huge deal and a huge move. Yeah, it adds some offense to them, no doubt. It adds to Arenado and adds to Goldschmidt. They still have a ton of questions in their outfield, in their starting rotation, their shortstop, their catcher. I mean, like their backup catcher. How much is Wilson going to play? So there are still questions with the with the Cardinals. You look at the Cubs. Who knows what the heck the Cubs are going to do? And i got a rant on the Cubs and the Red Sox coming up a little later in the show. But the Pirates aren't ready to compete yet. The Reds aren't ready to compete yet. So, again, it's Brewers and Cardinals as an upper echelon. And then, depending on what the Cubs do, if they go and sign a Swanson or a Correa, then things change. Then things get very interesting. But you look at this division, the Brewers are right in it. And just because they got guys that you haven't heard of or the national media hasn't heard of doesn't mean they're not good players. I, I still, I mean, the Guardians, the youngest team in baseball, they win the division, they go on and win the wild card game, they give the Yankees everything they could handle in that five-game ALDS. They played well. They have great pitching. They have a great bullpen. Does that sound familiar? That's what I think the Brewers should be looking at in 2023. With health, with health, this starting rotation Sign me up. Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. One, two, three. Lauer at the four. Maybe you put Ashby at the five, and then Hauser as your spot sixth starter, like a Brett Anderson role from 2021. What's wrong with that? That's a really darn good rotation. Sign me up. I am in. You still got Jansen Junk, who you acquired from the Angels organization. He could make some starts for you this year. And you still got the guys down in AAA. You've got Ethan Small still on the 40-man. And you still got Jason Alexander on the 40-man. So you have depth in the starting rotation. But your top three, even your top four, hell, throw Ashby in there. The top five. That's a darn good rotation. And with health, remember how much time Ashby missed last year too? That's a pretty darn good rotation. I'm not going to complain about it. Well, where's the offense going to come from? They're going young. They're going speedy. They're trying to figure out what they want to do as far as their style of play without the shifts in 2023. This is going to matter. That's why I think people have asked me all the time, well, of the prospects, who do you like the most? And I, say, I say Joey Weimer because a big slugging right-handed hitter, now they can't shift against him. They can't overload three infielders on the left side of second. He's going to find some hits when he comes to the big leagues, when he has it in AAA. And plus, I assume he's not going to make the big league roster uh, coming out of spring training. So that means you've got Weimer and Freelich most likely 
running the show down there in Nashville, and they're going to force their way up. I know there's the extra year, you know, kind of contract manipulation and service time manipulation. That's still a thing, but there's also rewards if you have a guy break camp for you and finish in rookie of the year voting. So there's incentive to have a, a rookie make camp like we saw with Julio Rodriguez, like we saw with guys uh, in the National League, like Michael Harris Jr. So there's a lot of ways the Brewers can figure things out. I still, my biggest question, this is going to be on my wish list in the next, que- next segment here and teasing into the next segment. What the heck do you do with Keston Hira? What's his future look like with the Brewers? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about wish list. What's left in free agency? What do the Brewers have to pick from? Don't go anywhere. This is Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. We're with you to the top of the hour here on Brewers Weekly. If you want to participate in the show, 855-616-1620. I'm Dominic Catronio. You can follow me on Twitter at Dom, D-O-M, underscore, C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O, Cotron-E-O. Also, you can catch me on Wisconsin's Morning News with uh, Vince Vetrano and Eric Bilstedt and Debbie Lazaga. I'll be on first thing in the morning tomorrow as well, uh, getting all your sports ready to go. We're going to talk wish list. We're going to talk what's left in free agency that realistically the Brewers can do. Maybe some wheelings and dealings, but let's uh, get to the phone lines as well. Charlie's been waiting patiently through the break. Charlie, you're live on Brewers, uh, Brewers Weekly. Hi, Dominic. Thanks for taking my call. Um, real quick, I love your comparison with Cleveland. They were a fun team to watch. Great pitching. Um, stolen bases, you know, with the larger bases and the shift next year. I think that's that's the Brewers. I think they're going to be uh, running the bases. They got some speed with the younger guys. Um, I think that's a great comparison, but uh, they got to put the bat on the ball. Cleveland was very good at that. Uh, real quick, uh, wish list. Um, I still like third base, catcher, and a left-handed relief pitcher. Um, maybe Drury at third. I like Urias at second, and I like Terang as your utility guy. Uh, catcher, um, that could be tricky, uh, but you got to get uh, maybe one, maybe two left-handed relief pitchers. And a lot of, you know, I hear talk that they, they got three, four outfielders, but I love Freilich. I love Mitchell, um, Weimer. Uh, Ruiz might be the odd man out. Thanks, Dominic. I'll listen for your response. Bye now. Yep, you got it. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate you. The, the one thing, though, at the end of that, I think they're going to give Ruiz a lot of time or they're going to try to flip him in a trade because, look, I mean, he was in the hater trade. So if they go and turn around and cut Ruiz or trade him or something like that, there's going to be a lot of headlines written like, wait a minute, what exactly did you get back for Josh Hader? Where at that point, if Ruiz were to some reason leave the organization, the only player left in the org will be the pitcher they got in return. So, uh, uh, Robert Gasser, sorry. Uh, so Robert Gasser would be the only one still in the organization because remember, Taylor Rogers, he was on a one-year deal. Uh, Danielson Lamette, DFA'd immediately, and then Estuary Ruiz. So Ruiz, I think he's sticking around for a long time. It's just a matter of how do they want to use him moving forward. Uh, third base is definitely going to be a big topic because everyone pointed to Abraham Toro's batting average, and if we're still using batting average and batting average alone to grade players in 2022-2023, I have failed you as a baseball host. But no, the the stuff with Toro, his offense doesn't look great. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to you know BS you. 10 homers, maybe some consistent playing time will help him. But he is not expected to be providing offense. He will be in there as the utility if he's up with the big league club. When it comes to 
Bryce Terang being a utility, he's a guy that belongs up the middle. He's barely played third base at all, if any at all, in the minors. He's really been a shortstop all the way through the minors. He's played a little bit of second base as well. But the thought is, if you're going to have Terang on the big league roster, he should be playing, and he should be playing up the middle, probably second base, because that's the most obvious need right now for him. Urias really improved at third base. I think... Uh, we don't give that enough credit sometimes. Urias' defense really improved last year at third base. The arm seemed to settle down a little bit, too. I was really happy for his development. And don't forget, you still have Mike Brasso in the organization. He's already signed. He's already avoided arbitration with a one-year deal. So that leaves this odd situation for Keston Hira. Look, Keston and Rowdy have the same splits. They can't hit lefties, even though Keston is right-handed. Keston, mind you, is out of options, meaning coming in spring training. Look, I'd be shocked if he doesn't make the team out of you know spring training unless something crazy happens. But basically, if it comes to a point where Keston's really struggling, if he's hitting a buck fifty in in May or June or whatever, and the Brewers want to option him, they're putting him on waivers. They risk losing him to somebody else for no compensation. So they are in between a rock and a hard place when it comes to the future of Keston Hira in this organization. That's something to monitor throughout spring training. Is he improving at second base? Is he improving at first base? Is he hitting for more contact? Is the shift band going to help him start to hit the ball the other way? Is he going to get to pull the ball more? There's a lot to figure out when it comes to Keston. So keep an eye on that as well. My number one thing on the wish list, and if you want to join in, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. I still think the Brewers can add a lefty reliever, like you said, Charlie, I think Andrew Chafin should be at the top of the list. I'm honestly surprised he hasn't been selected yet. Uh, kind of a, a quirky guy. He was pitching with the Tigers last year. He was with the Cubs a couple of seasons ago. He's got the big mustache. I think he'd be a great fit. He's not going to be looked upon for the eighth or the ninth inning, but he'll be looked on for left-on-left matchups. Kind of ease the burden on Hobie Milner because as it stands right now, Hobie's really your only leveraged lefty in that bullpen. In fact, he's the only lefty on the active roster that isn't Aaron Ashby. And Ashby's probably going to be starting this year. So they need to get a lefty in that bullpen. And when it comes to uh, catcher, look, Sean Murphy's going to be the prize of the offseason, but the price sounds really high from the Oakland A's. Uh, There was a rumor that came out this week saying they wanted major league players, which maybe that could play into the Brewers' hand, sending a a Tyrone Taylor and Este Uri Ruiz and somebody else in the minor leagues. But Sean Murphy has three years of control, which is why the price is so high on Sean Murphy. A great hitting and great defensive catcher. He's a gold glove winner. He can rake. He's a great, great player and a Midwest kid. So he's from Ohio. So that would be a really fun signing. I don't see it happening, but that's at the top of my wish list. I want Sean Murphy to be a Milwaukee Brewer. Let me know what you think. I'll read off your text. We're going to go through the Hall of Famers uh, coming up here in just a second as well. 855-616-1620. Going to the top of the hour on Brewers Weekly. Going to the top of the hour, I'm Dominic Catronio, Brewers Weekly. I want to get to a text here, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Rusty and Two Rivers, really excited about the small ball. Really excited when the Brewers hired Craig Council. I was thrilled because he played small ball. Bunt, stealing, hit and run. He was the man for that. But baseball went long ball, swing away, home run, etc. The Brewers weren't equipped for that then. Now the tendency is going to be back to small ball. 
but still swing away when necessary, right up Council's alley. I agree, Rusty, entirely. This is going to be a new-look Brewers team. They're not going to hit as many home runs next year. That's okay. I think you and I have the same thought, Rusty and whoever's listening. You will gladly, watching that team last year, gladly trade some home runs if it means more contact with runners in scoring position. I'm not saying guaranteed hits and runs. I'm just saying contact with runners in scoring position. This team had the second most home runs in the National League and the second most strikeouts in the National League. The only team that had more was the Braves, and they still only played, what, four more games than the Brewers? They still got eliminated in the first round. So uh, I think we are entering a, a tipping point of home runs or nothing. It, the strikeouts matter. The strikeouts really do matter. And uh, the Brewers are going the opposite direction in that. So I appreciate the text there, Rusty. I want to take a quick moment to talk about the Hall of Fame. Uh, announcements coming the last few days. You may have seen the contemporary era ballot. You may be confused. Wait, wait, what's that? Basically, baseball has eras uh, for different decades of being able to chance basically a, a spell check, if you will, of going back to a ballot and going to an era of saying, well, how did that guy not get in? Or was there a crowded ballot? Or was there other baggage? Or was there something new we know about this player? Or things of that nature. Uh, so the contemporary era ballot is a, a committee comprised of MLB executives, media, uh, even current and ex-players and managers. So it's 16-person committee. And you still, you're only allowed to pick three. It's a smaller ballot. You're only allowed to pick three on this era ballot. And you still need 75% of the vote. And the crime dog, Fred McGriff, finally going to Cooperstown. He was a unanimous selection in the, uh, the uh, contemporary era ballot. Because, look, 492 home runs, he would easily be over 500 if it wasn't for the strike in 1994. I believe that wholeheartedly. One of the most consistent power hitters in baseball history. He deserved it a long, 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 long time ago. Super happy for the crime dog. One of my favorite players uh, growing up. One of my first baseball memories of him just torching things with the Tampa Bay Rays toward the end of his career. May have also seen a former Brewers voice getting a, a huge award. Pat Hughes it has got a chance. Yeah, that's a bad Pat Hughes. I'm sorry, Pat. But uh, tw- he's the 2023 recipient of the Ford C. Frick Award, which is the highest honor a baseball broadcaster can earn. Bob Uecker earned it in 2003. Of course, Pat Hughes and Bob Uecker worked together back in uh, 1984 through 1996, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's been 29 years now, or a little later than that, but you get my point. He's a former Brewer's voice. He worked with Bob Uecker. He's now a Hall of Famer. He is one of, if not the nicest nicest man in broadcasting he's just so 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 friendly to everybody he encounters with i'm so thrilled for pat hughes he's an arizona native shout out to tucson i'm a phoenix native it is what it is uh he also called marquette and uh, it really makes me want to hit the 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 gas pedal a little bit because he was hired by the brewers when he was 29 years old and i'm 28 so i guess we got to hit the pedal to the metal here hey justin so uh (laughs) congratulations to pat hughes uh one more as well, this one's close to me. You may not have heard of this name, but John Lowe. John Lowe earns the Spink Award. and or, Sorry, not the Spink Award, but the Baseball Writers Association Career Excellence Award. You may not have heard of John Lowe, but you certainly know uh, some of the impact he's done in baseball writing, most notably inventing the quality start stat. John Lowe wrote for the Detroit Free Press for years and years and years. 
terrific rider covering the Tigers for many years. Just edged out another mentor of mine, Jerry Fraley of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Dallas Morning News back in the Rangers chapter. Uh, Jerry Fraley passed away of cancer a few years ago. Both Lowe and Fraley very near and dear to my heart. Both equally deserving. I wish it was a tie, but congratulations to John Lowe. Outstanding people who know John in baseball certainly have heard that quip from him over the years. So that's a little Hall of Fame update for you. You may have seen those headlines this week. Congrats to Pat Hughes, to John Lowe, and to the crime dog, Fred McGriff. Welcome to Cooperstown. Let's wrap up the show coming up at the top of the hour right after this on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, wrapping up the show here, just a little over about two minutes to go here in the show. I'm Dominic Catronio. Uh, Mike in Colorado, I see your text, man. I don't have enough time to unpack the report you may have seen about baseball using different types of balls again this year. We will unpack that coming up once more information comes out. There's only one side of the story right now. I want to hear Major League Baseball's response. I want to get a little more into it, but... The grades of the baseball, just a quick cliff notes, there was a dead ball, there was a Goldilocks ball, meaning it was perfect, and there was a juiced ball. So maybe something to keep an eye on for 2023 once again, but uh, we'll have more on that coming up in the future once a little more, a few more facts come out about that. But I think it is a bonkers story that got buried with all the free agent signings uh, this week. Many rants about the Cubs and the Red Sox. I know the Cubs spending a little money on Bellinger and Jameson Tyone, but now... The Cubs' core from the World Series in 2016 is gone, right? Bryant's gone. Rizzo's gone. Contreras is gone. Uh, There's so, so much that they've changed. Red Sox, their core is gone. I also think J.D. Martinez should be a candidate that the Brewers are looking at, but I digress. Xander Bogarts, gone. They're on bad terms with Rafi Devers. Uh, Benintendi, gone. Betts, gone. Vasquez, gone. Sale, hurt. You know, these these are two massive market teams, and they're not going to compete next year. You know that. You know they're not going to compete next year. So why is it the end of the world when the Brewers miss the playoffs by one game, try to be relevant for a little bit longer, trying to bring up the young guns, trying to be sustainable, and everyone's saying the sky is falling. That's all. Put more heat on those guys. Those guys don't have an excuse. The Brewers have an excuse. And it's not a great excuse, but it's an excuse. It's a legit thing. Mid-market teams have a hard time when you're seeing $300 million thrown about all willy-nilly. So just keep it in perspective. Keep it in line. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dominic Catronio. Thank you to Justin Pottinger in our studios. See you next time.